Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. It just must be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, joined in the studio by the film guys, one by the absolute uh, technological miracle of the phone lines. He is George Williman, and he is on uh, in Culpeper, Virginia today. George, the Library of Congress nitrate film archivist and our friend, welcome. Ah, hello. <laughs> Our man from the Library of Congress. <laughs> He's also, uh, one of his uh, better aspects is his partnership long-term with the storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers and also one of our film guys, friend of the show. We call him J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. Always my pleasure, Nikki Seeker Dakota Ring. <laughs> Nicker Seeker Dakota Ring. <laughs> We're gathered together in the spirit of perfect movies, but a little extra something that might give uh, all of our listeners the incentive to maybe it's our summer make, hiatus series. Make their own perfect movies. So you want to make a movie, do you? <laughs> Are you out there listening? So you want to make a movie. <laughs> Last week, we took a look at some pre-production and getting your uh, script in line. And this week, we'll take a look at uh, the actual beginnings We're of the doings. talk about production today. And making it yeah. happen. So, gentlemen, before we delve into the very real and, uh, and attainable task of uh, people making movies for themselves, let's remind ourselves of the, uh, the, the rules that well, bring us Well, that's what our here. whole Filmically Perfect show is built on, is these rules. Because we talk about perfect movies every week. Um, but we're here today to talk about something else. But we'll cover these rules right now just so for the, for the privilege of reinforcement, you know, so we can know where we're going. And uh, whenever we uh, review a movie, uh, that movie, because it's perfect, it creates the world it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in, si- changes in society, our perfect movie retains its meaning and entertainment value. And a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each film is perfect by its own scale. Yes, but, and however, we are going to talk about making a movie today. <laughs> and our movie that's on the shelves right now, My Mummy, is what we're using as a reference uh, to make these movies, is anything but a perfect movie. So, <laughs> so don't be confused. You have to start at the bottom. <laughs> and we're going to show you how to start at the bottom because of our experience in My Mummy, The Tomb is a Drag Without Her. That is what we're referring to when we're talking about how to make a movie. That's right. It's not perfect, but it is a, a comical little bugger. Yeah, and that's our, that's our textbook. That's what we're using. That's it. Speaking of which, as we proceed here, of course, you can find uh, the archived audio podcasts and uh, uh, ways to reference uh, all of our previous shows, including last week's pre-production show at perfectmovie.net. We're also, of course, at npr.org. You can find us on iTunes or right here at wyso.org. And people are going to want to pay extra special attention to these how-to shows because we've got a little something coming down the pike, Jayton. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We are going to encourage our listening audi- uh, audience out there to make a movie. And it's going to be a big contest presented by Frozen Turkey Pictures, of course, uh, with WISO. And uh, this is for the Fall Fun Drive. And we're going to encourage you to listen very carefully because we're going to give you all sorts of tips 
hints, and pointers on how to make a movie. And it's going to be about seven minutes, and it's got to be funny. It's so we're calling funny. it Seven Silly Minutes, and uh, seven minutes or less. And so just just consider this. Get your get your filmic uh We're going to challenge on. you all, and there's going to be big prizes given away. That's right. Put your money where our mouth is. That's right. <laughs> and the Filmically like Perfect, so. this will be a Filmically Perfect event, you know, for the fall. And... Um, uh, we're gonna like you know have this a lot of big things are gonna come down the pike because of this because all we're gonna challenge all of you to cut anybody out of the pattern to make a better movie you know <laughs> yeah. if somebody thinks they can make a better movie then don't even think that you like them go out and make a better even movie. better movie even better movie. so yeah. keep your ears here we'll uh, give details as the uh, as the next few days pass we'll uh, uh, give we'll information probably make on the how big announcement next week yeah. So stay tuned for that. And meanwhile, we find ourselves at this very special edition of So You Want to Make a Movie of Filmically Perfect. And gentlemen, so you've got you got your script ready. You yeah, sat down, you got it got all got storyboarded, which I've talked about before. Um, and one of the things we didn't talk about is you want to get your cast together in pre-production. And, um, and the, the most important thing on pre-production is your prep time. Um, you will save probably a you know, an immeasurable amount of money by spending more prep time on your film and figuring out all the problems that you can solve before they happen. And theoretically, that can be done, and I know because we've been doing this for 21 years with the Coens. Now, my mommy, of course, we had to go back and learn all over again. Um, and as um, Ray Bradbury, you know, it was his birthday, I guess, today, and he said that you walk over the edge of the cliff and you grow your wings as you fall. That oh, is how. image. Yeah. Well, we managed to, we managed to grow one wing. <laughs> And, and I had the other wing, and George and I were pirouetting all over yeah. the sky, bumping into everything, and we yeah, landed wing, pretty hard. The other wing sprouted as we hit bottom, so, you know. But it's a start. It had that, it's like, spring start. sound. It went, bling. I mean, what's that? It's your other wing. <laughs> <laughs> but you managed. It's an, uh, you can. We it's, got it's, it there. That's it, why we're doing this. Finished a movie because right. we can prove to you. We did this on a handful of change and lots of fast talking, and we got it done. And it's on the shelves. And of course, that is the biggest dilemma of all: is whether it's going to sell. And and that's where you're right up there in the big leagues with everybody else because nobody knows whether that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So now we're this week we're going to talk about shooting the movie. Once you get all these things together, um, now you're ready to shoot, right, George? That's right. And um, and the biggest trick, you know, I mean, you, you've got your equipment, and and to begin shooting, I mean, you need to break down your your script into into usable or workable sections because you can't just jump out there and just start shooting it. Now you uh, tell me. <laughs> Now that it's done. Yeah, you just take that, you number the script, and there's all sorts of formats. I think, George, what was the format, um, the scripting format you referred to last week for our audience that's going to make all these movies? Uh, you mean like the software? Yes. Uh, Celtics. Celtics. And spell that because... C-E-L-T-X. Okay, C-E-L-T-X. And, and you that... can get Final Draft, which will break your script down into scene numbers automatically, right. you know, and that's how you organize your script because... When you're organizing these scripts, generally, you can look up all the stuff that's available, and it's pretty standard stuff. Like the assistant director will strip these things into uh, – the scene will turn into little strips, and uh, that – you know, if it's daylight, it'll be yellow. If it's night, it, exterior, it'll be blue. If it's interior night, it'll be green. Uh, if it's interior daylight, uh, I, you know, they, they use – I can never remember all these colors, but they're all color coordinated. So when you look at these strip boards, you know exactly what you're doing. So if like you is have it, three bedroom it, scenes and they're all stretched out through the movie, you shoot them all at one time. I have two questions. Right. First, where do you find an associate producer, or well, would you, yeah, or would you I just was say just going to bring that up too? That is, 
Um, from from our experience, that is one of the most important things. Is the director needs to have some sort of an assistant that he can absolutely count on. Otherwise, he's going to quickly find himself overwhelmed. Or she. And or she. I'm here to tell you because I just work with Drew Barrymore, and she's directing. And she's doing a fine job. Um, but she is surrounded by great people who assist her. You know, because all this stuff has to happen at once. Right. And time is money. I don't care. Even if it is a little money, a little movie, you're still going to run into that time is money barrier almost right. every time. So just do a quick overview of – so you have a director. You're going to have an assistant director. Which Somebody is to help that person. Help out. Just sort of like be able to – a go-to person to help get minor logistical bumps in right. order. And then, of course, there's a cameraman. Cameraman, cinematographer. And or videographer now, I guess, in a lot of cases. Which in, in many cases, and particularly for these submissions that we may receive – um, probably will be a videographer. Almost always now. And then I'm, the cast yeah. itself. The cast. Well, you're also going to, I mean, it depends on how much money you've got, how much time you've got. Ideally, it would be great to have a person in charge of each department of the production. So, like, a person in charge of the photography, a person in charge of the sound, uh, a person in charge of the cast. But in this know. case, we're not talking about a lot of money. Right. You just have to keep that awareness of organization in your head. Who's handling this? Is that that person's question? Even if you're doing three people, one of the reasons we're doing seven silly minutes is because you can't get into too much trouble with yeah. video, with a video seven camera. Minutes seven less. minutes or less. Yeah, yeah, seven minutes right. or less. Um, because, you know, commercials are 30 seconds, and that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. But in our case, we're, we're trying to get everybody to make a real simple, tight, clean movie for seven minutes. Um, and you keep all these things in your mind and keep us all aware when you're doing it is that whose question is that? Is that the person that's doing sound? Now, for some people, I'm sure it'll be easy to, you know, get a group of friends together that um, can share your vision and get on board sure. and be involved. But I'll bet that there's a lot of people, though, that uh, basically are going to have to do it completely themselves. So... Or maybe not completely, but just That's with, okay certainly too. with not a, a, a head at each one of these posts that we've just... Uh, and as we said last week, there's no better way to learn uh, how well your script writing skills then are <laughs> until you shoot the thing. <laughs> and then <laughs> you, you find do, out I mean, what kind of script writer you are. <laughs> if you're one of those gutsy people who do, does want to be their own man or woman and make your own film and do it all, that's great. I mean, more power to you, but boy, use, the, use that famous old uh, kiss format you know yeah. keep, keep it, it simple, simple stupid <laughs> and, you, yeah. and you you really annoy do your best to annoy and bug everybody of your friends to help you do this yeah. you know, right. you're doing this because uh you know nowadays 20 years ago it wasn't that easy but now you have final cut pro and you have yep. all these marvelous computer things well you can literally on your on your macbook you could cut this thing on your the MacBook. publishing right. and, and, and the and the <clears throat> video worlds have just utterly come within everyone's grasp and and there is nothing like independent filmmaking to show you who your real friends are you know when it's, when <laughs> it's everybody three, hates when us three, now when it's three o'clock in the morning and you've got someone in a bathtub full of cottage cheese and there's a sheep walking through and like and horns are playing and you're trying to film it that's when you're going to know who your friends now keep are. in mind when we told the guy that we were going to do this with in a bathtub of cottage cheese and he just waited for a second and he paused and he said okay <laughs> And now, of course, he, he won't look at us. He won't talk to us. Yeah, well, he also asked, was it large curd or small curd? And we didn't know he wanted the large curd. So, and you know. Bud Enski was his assistant, so he'll never talk to us ever again. again. <laughs> so you've got your 
script. You've got your uh, your people in places that are going to mind things. You've got your bathtub full of cottage cheese. Yes. What next? <laughs> well, you got to shoot this thing. So you want to go out there and figure out your schedule. How many days going to shoot? And, and how do you do that? I mean, what's how do you approach you that? Take your script and you break it down. You know, you break it down into little pieces, numbered pieces, and like I said before, numbered pieces that include what each shot by shot, location by location. Well, shot by shot is what? storyboarding. You want to get your location and your scenes down, like a scene thirty-two bedroom, scene fifty-seven bedroom, scene sixty-seven bedroom. So you film well, those you all shoot at all those bedrooms at once, and oh, scene sixty-seven is night. Okay, well, throw some black stuff on the windows and uh, you know knock the night, right. knock the light down. Night. You shoot. The point is, you want to shoot them all. At one time they're in the same location movies are never ever shot in sequence ever. Right, ever i mean there are some ways of sort of roughly estimating how long something is going to take i mean as we said before each page of a script equates to about one minute of screen time unless you write like we do and it becomes like two minutes yeah <laughs> but but you should be able to like you know taking minutes of screen time and and realizing that if you're doing your film it's going to take longer you know maybe multiply each page by what? Eight minutes? Ten minutes? What would you say? Oh, you know. To try and get a, a, an idea of production. Well, time. one of the things that they do in a, in a lot of places, and we did this too, but um, again, it's the more you do it, the better you get. Is we did a timed reading of the script. We sat around with a stopwatch, and everybody sat around a table and read. We had a table read. Oh. And that way, you can lock it down. You know, the script supervisor or whoever you've conned into doing this will sit there and, and write down the you know beginning and end times of every scene. You know, and never stop. And that way, you have a pretty good idea if you record it how fast your movie's going to work. You know, it uncovers a lot of holes. You know, where where it gets too long. Uh, right. But if you do a lot of visual exposition, you get a, it's really hard to kind of gauge that. But a lot of people do table reads. So you sit down at, the, at a table and just read it from beginning to read. end. Yeah, that's a theater thing, too. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, we're using it for movies. And what we do is we get a, an accurate timing on how long it takes for that person to say a certain thing. And then, you know, if the, if the screenplay is 100 pages long and it ends up being 150, well, you know you got some work to do. But you haven't gotten any equipment out and everything, so you, you it's easier to correct it. film you know? a table read and We've then go back before. in time. And, and they then, do that all the time, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I think um, I know that if you get the... Um, the DVD of The Frighteners by Peter Jackson, part of his table read is actually on there as a bonus hmm. with all the actors in his living room reading the script. So a nice resource if you want to see how it's done and how that works yeah. out. Um, and, you know, in that way you've got another rehearsal you know, for your uh, actors. A little yeah. hotter, you know, the rehearsal's a little hotter. And like well, last week, you know, when you get all your casting together in pre-production, get those rehearsals down so that when you start shooting this movie, you don't waste a lot of time figuring out where your camera goes and you can talk to the actors all the time. Right. Because so many times the actors are almost the last priority on the set. And it's really, <laughs> you, you wonder why they get aggravated and everything. It's because here they are, they're out there, they got to perform and they're not getting a lot of time with the director because the director's messing with some lights over there or something. So, right. And unlike with a lot of, with, with stage acting, where a lot of times the director will let an actor go and, and really do his own thing. When you're shooting a film, you can't really do that because you're shooting a film. And, yeah, again, time is money. So you have to, like, really nail down the actor's performance, you know, let them create their character, but nail down their performance before you start burning a lot of film or tape. Uh, so, you know, so the, you've, got, you've got a usable and workable amount of, of footage when you get done. So the whole notion of measure twice, cut once, it's really about the preparation, and you can really save yourself a lot of hassle and money if, well, you, the Cohen's if you plan philosophy, well. The Cohen's philosophy for many, many years, and they don't ever admit to it, but this is what I think, is that uh, they shoot only what they need. You know, so that way they don't overshoot. And right. a lot of people will say, you need that just in case to patch up. Well, that's where the experience factor comes in. Um, and these days, it's not as frightening because 
uh, of you know thirty five millimeter film when it comes through the uh, gate, it's like fifty two cents a foot. Yeah. So a that thousand foot really load, bad. you know, and, and the wow. actor botches up seven takes, and you got a seven uh, thousand foot load. That gets a little scary. But nowadays we're in this wonderful world of video, where you could how is it they say you could take a videotape and wrap it around the you know the old hot dog thing. You know that'll take a all these hot dogs around the Earth and the Moon five hundred and fifty seven million times. You know <laughs> same thing with videotape. You can just keep going and going and going. It's like shoveling coal in hell. You know it's just videotape. But even That's now right. I don't think videotape. Or I guess you, would you still need to use tape or can you go all digital? You can go all digital. Um, the problem with and there all are no digital, hot dogs to measure that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of digital wieners takes a, a lot more space. No. Um, uh, my recommendation right now: there are digital wiener dogs. Now, there are camcorders now that are fully digital. The only problem is when you load them up, you then have to dump that data before you can continue. Now, that's fine if you've got the equipment with you and you can take the time to do a data dump. But with the tapes, when the tape fills up, you just you know, whip out another tape and slap it in there. You know, it takes less than a half a minute. So do you have any sort of uh, preferences about it? Or just, just, I mean, maybe one is as good as the other if you have I think, all I the think tools. For now, for now, for myself, I'm, I'm going to stick with the tape. Yeah, don't use scotch tape. Yeah, not scotch tape. Or, or <laughs> That'll get everything all sticky in the gate. Yeah. You're listening to Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO, available at perfectmovie.net and at npr.org as well. A very special edition as uh, My Mummy is on the shelves, and uh, this is a movie made by our film guys, J. Todd Anderson and George Williman, and it is within all of our grasps to get this done. We took a week at, uh, look at pre-production last week, and now actually getting it done. So you've decided on your equipment, you We're trying to provoke you. We're trying to provoke you into making a movie because we did it, of course, and that's our textbook. Let me just throw a word out here for for the the little DV cameras. There are some amazing DV cameras. DV is digital video, and those are the little tiny tapes that are out there now. And um, I have a a little Panasonic uh, DV camera that is just amazing. And one of the main reasons I picked it, not just because it's Panasonic, but because it's one of the few that I've found that loads the tape from the top. Many of them load the tape from the bottom, which means when you go to change a tape, you have to take it off, off the tripod if you have it on a tripod. <laughs> this way I can have it mount on a tripod and just pop open the top, throw a new tape, in, and I'm ready to go. I wouldn't even have thought of now, that. Here's another, thing. here's another thing to consider, and I can tell you this. I can back this up with fact. Um, when you do your small movie, you know, try to keep away from hand-holding that camera because it's, it's going to be really hard when you're going to try to start you know, polishing this thing and putting it in place because of, of the movement. So, but here's what helps you when you make a movie. Forget about dollies. Forget about all that stuff. Um, when you're starting to make a movie, use a tripod. There is no better way to make a movie than just disciplining yourself to make these shots on a tripod. Um, and you can even still move the camera, right, within, you I can, mean, with but the it's handle. Such, yeah, you, it's such a tone good, and format. A good, yeah, get a good tripod. Spend and, a little money on it. Get one that has a nice... A nice soft head on it that gives you nice smooth movement. Yeah, real smooth movements. And if you do this, what's going to happen is all of a sudden you're into kind of disciplined filmmaking, so it's not going to be erratic. If you try to project these things on handheld, they just, you know, Blair Witch was, I remember people that were throwing up because yeah. it was just <laughs> shaking all over the place, you know. when you Scale is a big deal when you're dealing with a little camera. Now, for us, we're talking about video, you know, small, and you can't probably, you, you might not afford a tripod, but try it. It's going to like... 
give you a new dimension on how to make your films cut together nicer. Also, another possible resource for people that are interested in making particularly digital movies are, um, aren't there the community, I mean, community access video places and maybe even the library? Yeah. Are there such ways that people yeah, can... Yeah, a, a lot of, and there are several there, just, I know in the Miami Valley area and probably across the country, the uh, uh, public access cable often offers classes, and if you take their classes and get a certificate, then I believe some of the places will actually allow you to borrow equipment. Sort of like check it out like a library. Check it out like a library and shoot your own movie. Lights and everything. You can lights actually and, you know, and then they have editing, they have editing uh, materials too, so you, know, you can go in and edit it. Now the other thing is, is you want to be aware of when you're making your movie is that locations, um, because these are, these are things that you have to figure out because um, on public streets you can get away with it. But if you end up stealing something in somebody's yard, they can put you in jail. You mean or... stealing video? No. Yeah, stealing your shots. Excuse me. Stealing shots. Not, shot, not like that. stealing the yard ornaments or anything like that. I stole something in the like yard. That, you steal a shot. Sorry, <laughs> thanks, for, yeah. thanks, Nikki. I mean, <laughs> or if you block a street, you'll go to jail. You know, oh. These are the things. Now, when we did My Mummy, the city of New Carlisle was so gracious and so wonderful that we cleared everything with them when we were able to like use that city because I was a paper boy there when I was like 13, of course, and uh, <laughs> it helped. Um, but when you get your location, you get ready to go shoot this, go to your location and say, can we shoot this here? Are we going to get you in trouble? Who do you approach? Uh, the on owner that. of the location. Oh, the I owner, see. the manager, you know. Okay. It's really important. If it's not public, then you have to do that. And because there's always some guy that comes out of the bushes that says, well, nobody told me about it. And, right. Um, and so they, they can actually ask that your images, the, the images of whatever their property is not appear in your film. So Correct. Yeah. Could be, yeah. If it's non and get it in, public. get it in writing. Okay. Get it in writing and signed. Okay. Well, that's a pretty important uh, initial step there. It'll help you, you know, but if you're making a small movie, sometimes you just ask Grandma, can, can we <laughs> right. sh- shoot you over here, Grandma? It, you know, it, especially you... Gets, it especially gets problematic if you're going into stores uh, because it can, you know, I mean, if it's a small mom-and-pop store, if you, know, if you know the owners, that's fine. But if you get into, like, you know, a, a name-brand store like a, like a department store, or especially malls, malls do not like video cameras. Hmm. Uh, You've got to be really careful with that and Why? try to... It just, I don't know, it's, it's just our sort of litigious yeah. society we oh, live in. They're okay. so afraid of, of you know, un- uncontrolled access, I think is what it is. Hmm. Yeah, usually in the bigger movies will have to pay for these locations because mm-hmm. they're making a lot of money. Um, but in your case, if you're making a small movie, all you do is just ask the person if they say it's okay. Um, but it's always good to figure these things out before you get out there and start shooting because I'll say your day could be wrecked. I mean, everybody always worries about the essential things like weather and that's stuff you can't control, but the other things that you can control, you should try to take care of those right up front. So one of the right. most important parts of production really is pre-production. <laughs> it's, the, it's the preparation. I mean, we spend, uh, the Coen Brother movies, they spend almost six weeks preparing for just about the same amount of time they shoot, you know, uh, well over 42 days, you know, many times. Um, and when you do that, you're rehearsing, of course, we storyboard and we rehearse the movie, but you, you start saying, what if this could happen? And Believe it or not, all these problems will start lining up as typical patterns on movies that you can kind of count on for experience, like shooting in an intersection. Those are all things you can deal with, and it's best to get all that stuff deal, dealt with up front. So yeah. that way when you get out there, you can deal with the unexpected emergencies like rain and things like that. So it's okay to shoot in a public street, I mean, provided it's safe, but it's not okay to block it off. It's not that it's they mind you shooting in no, the I street. No, I think you can stand on a sidewalk and shoot. Um, I mean, it's always changing because of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where that guy was shooting the Hall of Fame and selling posters. So uh-huh. that's constantly changing. But as far as I know, when you're in a car driving, you can shoot the interstate highway sign 
signs and fields and houses. Now, Google, I hear you go up there and they got your house on the Internet. You know, it's, that's what I hear. Yeah, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> so we're talking about the actual production of the film that is right there within your grasp on this very special edition. So you want to make a movie. Perfect. So you want to make a movie. It is uh, absolutely doable. And again, more information can be found as well as archived audio at the Film Guys website. And it's pretty cool. Perfect movie. Dot net. So looking back on the production aspect of making my movie, is there, my mummy movie, is there a part that you feel that you learned afterward that would have made it a lot easier going in, but a really important well, I think, kernel? I think one thing I just thought of, I don't know if this probably relates somewhat, is, is when you're, before you go out, I mean, as you're going out, make sure all your equipment is working. <laughs> and you got a, you got at least two fully charged batteries. You know, uh, because you get out there, let's say you go on location somewhere, and you're in the middle of a field, and, and your camera dies, and you don't have a backup. What are you going to do? <laughs> you have no camera, no cameraman, you're not making a movie. Yeah. And also, don't get, like, euphoric over the fact that you got the shot, you're happy, and forget the tapes, you know? Mm-hmm. I heard that so many times when I, when I was doing industrials, like, what, do you have the tapes? No, I thought you had the tapes. Well, they were, so, they were out drinking beer. We're so happy we made our day. Well, where Where's are the, the tapes? tapes? <laughs> That happens frequently. What do you mean, where are they? There was no tape in the machine, are you saying? No, they sent them down for forget them. They them down somewhere and forgot to take them. Oh. They get so wrapped up oh. in the productive environment of making oh, them, and you're hurts. so happy that you've, you know, you've achieved what you did, and they're out drinking. <laughs> Who has the tapes? I don't know. I thought you had the tapes. No, no, I gave them to you. And, and speaking of tapes, because magnetic tapes are magnetic tapes, if you, as a director, ask the cameraman to back something up, you know, back the tape up so you can see how a shot looks. Make sure <gasps> that you go forward again <laughs> beyond that, because if you don't, you'll cover up that beautiful take you've just done. And there's nothing forever. that will bring that back. And make sure when the tape is finished and you take it out of the camera, the first thing you do is click the little lock on it so it cannot be taped on again. And, and label it, right? And label it. Oh, yeah. Don't give it to Budinsky. <laughs> Whatever don't you do. Don't give it do. to Budinsky. Yeah, Budinsky usually takes them and sets them on top of a big speaker. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so magnetic tape, just like the old cassettes and, yes. and all that, they're sensitive to magnetism. They're sen- so. Yeah, protect your tapes from magnetic sources. Like, don't set them on your TV. Don't set them on speakers. And get them downloaded to your motors. You know, get them downloaded to your hard drive as soon as possible. That's right. I like the idea that you had said about maybe taking it with you if you could. If there was a way to travel with your um, should be one person designated a guard because on movies they have a loader and sh- and that person is always responsible for that film, that negative film. And yep. when I first got started in the business, that loader set these cans down at an airport in Dallas. You know, in the very first movie I worked on, you know, before the Coens, and uh, somebody stole them. You know, because they weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Because they're not really invested and involved in that stuff. So, you know, you're all excited about doing this stuff. Don't forget all your work is on that little tape. A loader. Right. I like it. So get yourself a loader. Actually, a lot of them are actually called clapper loaders. Clapper loaders, yeah. Because not only do they load the film, and they also clean the camera, clean the gate, they also run the clapboard. Important, most important person on the set. That's right. And actually, may we say, even if you're doing a little film... A, a clapboard is a really great thing to have. You don't need the clap part of it, yeah. you know, because you're not doing sync sound like on film. But but to have a little board up front showing what your scene number is makes it a lot easier when sure. you get fast-forwarding through that stuff. It'll it'll slow down, and you can see that part. Yep. Very good. Some tips to live by as you approach production the- next week. We're going to talk about post-production.
So there we go. Pre-production, production, post-production. You can do it. So you want to make a movie? Stay tuned. We've got more next week for you. More information, again, available at perfectmovie.net. You can see uh, posters and artwork for the Film Guys movie. Then, of course, they are J. Todd Anderson and George Williman and their movie, My Mummy. And what's the tag? I cannot ever get it right. Well, The Tomb is a Drag Without the Her. The Tomb is a Drag <laughs> Not to be confused with The Mummy and The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. It's if the Film Guys movie, did no. it, so can you. And uh, do keep your ears and eyes pointed uh, this way because we're going to be offering an opportunity for you to submit a movie that you made for very sweet cash Stay prizes. Stay tuned made. to this public radio station because the film guys are going to like walk you through this. Gentlemen, as we're wrapping up, this time around, instead of a signed copy of a storyboard, hey, can we uh, We were going to do a copy of My Mummy. Would yes, you guys we'll give sign away a free copy it? Will you guys mummy. sign it? Yes. Okay, there we go. Not the, one of those comes down if the they want me to, If they want me to sign it, they'll have to come here to Culpepper. Okay, you can no, have that. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll figure it out. The but brain. as we're wrapping here, and we just have a little bit of time left, George Williman, the National Guard Archivist for the Library of Congress, and also thanks to J. Todd Anderson, storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers, and many, many more. And also a director, producer, actor in his own right. Support Public Radio! Gentlemen, next time. Post-production and rap party. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.